Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. My name is Ray. I am your host. Today's episode going to be talking about Chapman's Eat Market once again. Uh, we've done a few different episodes on them. Um, the first one was like number 64, talked about kind of their to-go menu, and then also the first dine-in experience that we had there. The second episode was number 76, and that was over their second menu um, that they changed over to. And they kind of did that one in stages, so it took a little while before they had pretty much all the courses changed over except for the cow soy. Um, so we did that episode and then actually had, uh, BJ himself, who's chef owner of Chapman's eat market. He came on the podcast for about an hour, hour and a half, somewhere in there. Uh, that's episode number 93 under the chefs and guests banner. So make sure you check that out. But, uh, we've eaten there a couple times since. So I wanted to get a recap of our experience, you know, kind of out there. Uh, they changed over the menu once again. Uh, we got a couple to go things from them. And then we also did, uh, they were doing like a special Valentine's day meal. So we did that too as well. Uh, and there actually will probably be a couple more. Uh, there'll be another episode that follows cause they're doing a a special Vietnam menu. And then I believe when I talked to BJ last, they're going to change over the normal dine-in menu sometime, I think in March, uh, definitely after February he said. So So there'll probably be another recap uh, on the horizon too as well. But for here on this episode, we're going to be talking about menu three and then also the Valentine's Day menu and some of the to-go stuff. So they do basically like a, every week they do like a special to-go offering. Uh, The one week uh, it was a like shaved uh, steak sub, essentially like a Philly cheesesteak. It came with like a, this sauce, a burrilla sauce. It's kind of like this, trend in the taco world um i actually like the sub better without the burrilla sauce and and so did my wife too uh that kind of sent her down a road of trying to find really good cheesesteaks and we hit up like uh things like wario which is in the arena district and a couple other places too as well um i know like i think rock mill for a time was doing a cheesesteak too so there seemed to be like a, a moment where everybody in the city was kind of doing doing cheesesteaks, but it was really good. Uh, the bread was really nice. I just I just liked it better um, without the sauce uh, was for my you know personal opinion. Also did a to go offering. They had uh, chicken wings and they were doing a guachujang, so it was like basically like Korean fried chicken, kind of. So chicken wings are lightly fried. Uh, they're really nice, crispy, crunchy. And then you have basically like a side of guachujang sauce that you can drizzle over as much or as little as you want. Um, they're a whole different thing once you use the sauce. So like the chicken wings themselves before the sauce, they're very like fresh. They're very clean. It's light. It's crispy. It's crunchy. Um, the meat is moist inside. So it's very well done. And then once you put the sauce over it, it it becomes like a, this whole other, you know, thing. It's not, there's a little spice to it, but it's not hot or anything like that. It just kind of gives you like a nice little sharp kind of tingle. Um, and it's interesting because I'm a big fan of guachujang, but so many places kind of put it on everything now. I'm really skeptical of like, when you see it on the menu, it's like, is this actually going to be good or... And this was, I was, you know, I always kind of struggled to find really good 
fried chicken, uh, especially in Columbus. There's some places that people recommend, but I just haven't been overly impressed. I used to think the Pearl did really good fried chicken, but then I went back and had it and I wasn't overly impressed with it. Um, I think most people still even recommend like Popeye's. They're like the best fried chicken you can get is kind of a Popeye's since we don't have a Bojangles uh, from the people that are fried chicken aficionados that I know. So this is really good. I would definitely recommend, you know, if they have it still on the menu or it comes back, um, definitely recommend getting it if that's something that you're into and, and are able to get to German Village. Getting into kind of the third menu that they did. Um, and they send out the menus like in advance. Like uh, there's a newsletter that you can subscribe to that they have. And they'll send out like a notification when they're switching over the menu. Um, and they also like once you make a reservation, uh, I think it's Pam. She basically emails out like a copy of the menu. And then they also give you a copy of the menu when you go into the restaurant after your dinner too as well. Um, so you'll definitely see the menu at some point, usually beforehand too, as well. When my initial reaction, when I saw it, I was kind of like, well, that seems like, okay. Like I wasn't overly excited about it, but you just kind of trust in the chef and, and the team there and what they're doing. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll go. Um, first course was like a shrimp ceviche. I am a notable on the record person. I hate shrimp. I've had it several times. I don't like the texture. I don't like the flavor. It's just a thing. I just don't like it. I've tried it a bunch. Never really going to like it. The shrimp ceviche dish, I actually did enjoy. It is actually a really good dish. Uh, aesthetically, nothing kind of overly, you know, it's not tweezered or anything like that. It's, you know, just a ceviche in a bowl. The shrimp was really nice. It's it's was really the texture was really nice. It was tender, succulent. There was no chewiness or anything like that. There was no rubbery texture. I'm still never going to be a shrimp fan, um, but after this experience with the shrimp ceviche, if that wound up being like on a to go menu in like the summer, I might order it. I I, I still. It's really good, but I'm still just not at that point in my mind where I see shrimp on a menu and I'm like, yeah, I want to get that. But this would kind of be the exception. Next course was a uh, chicken lob um, dish. So it was kind of like everything came separated out and then you just essentially assembled your own little mini kind of burrito using the cabbage leaf. Um, you know, there was some, what, uh, some cucumbers, I think, on the side or it might've been pickled. There's a little sauce that came with it too, as well. It is like the unofficial national dish of Laos. Uh, if you don't know, Chapman's did it with chicken instead of pork. So it's a little different. Uh, I felt it was a little bit lighter, a little bit more balanced. There was the sauce. I, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but it kind of had like a sweet and sour kind of balance tanginess to it. Um, that was really nice. You know, it kind of added a little punch in a good way, you know, kind of a little oomph to it. Um, so pretty, you know, pretty like you, there's nothing that's crazy on the dish. There's nothing that like you should really have any apprehensions of, of eating. You know, you assemble it, um, you know, kind of and do as much or as little as you want with everything that they give you. Uh, 
third dish was the matzo ball soup. I had never, we were trying to think when you we were eating if we ever had matzo ball soup before. I couldn't remember a time. So like maybe I've had it once or something, but just don't really remember it. Wasn't anything special. I'm not sure. This is really good. It's a staple, you know, it's a staple of Jewish cuisine. Um, and it's, it's really simple. It's basically, you know, you make this ball, which is a mixture. It's a soup dumpling, essentially. It's a mixture of, of matzo meal and beaten eggs, water, um, and some fat too in there. And then that kind of just gets set in the middle to kind of be half submerged and float around in this duck consomme, essentially. And there was some carrots and, and I think some dill thrown in there too as well. It's really simple but it works really well. And BJ and I kind of talked about it, I think on, on the podcast when he was on, um, it's just, there's clear that there's like care and thoughtfulness used in constructing it. And it could be so many other things. It could be almost like a bastardized version of itself, but it's really clean, simple, straightforward. You understand exactly what you're getting, even though you may have never had it before. It's still really well done. And, and kind of the ball itself, I felt like was refined. Um, I really liked it. And, you know, it's definitely something that seeing it on other menus, I think it's one of those things that now goes into the file of the environment that you're in, the restaurant that you're at really dictates if that's something I would order. You know, if you're at like a, a chain, you know, like deli place, not going to order it. But, you know, if, if, if it's a chef-owned restaurant and they have it on the menu, there's a good chance that it's going to be good. Um, third dish or fourth dish was like a salad. It was just kind of a mix of a bunch of different stuff. Uh, it was like, you know, it's called grapes and golden things, but it's a mix of there was goat milk ricotta, roasted golden beets, um, golden raisins, bittercress, candy pecans, grapes uh and like a champagne vinaigrette kind of over top and it's pretty much just you have a lot of kind of like little orange circles and then kind of like a green little salad on top and then underneath each of those orange circles is is the goat's milk ricotta um it doesn't look like much when you first see it you know it's colorful but it's just kind of in the center of a plate but you know, it was sweet, it was chewy, it was fruity, there was some acid, it was crunchy, bright, both from a colorful, you know, color perspective and a flavor perspective. Would I call it necessary a quote unquote salad? No, but it's kind of a play on a salad. So it's it's really consistent every bite. It kind of hits all the notes that you're kind of looking for in a really unexpected way. You don't as soon as you see it on the plate, you're kinda kinda like, oh, okay you don't really have high hopes for it, but the, the flavor is definitely, definitely there. Uh, course after that was, um, fettuccine duck leg carbonara. So it's like, got like confit duck leg. Uh, there was, some um, shiitake, uh, sofrito, Parmesan cured egg yolk in there. I think some sage too, as well. Kind of savory, creamy. Everything that Chapman's does is usually I would say pretty light. I never feel weighed down by any other food. I never feel like it's overly heavy. Um, you know, you never feel, you never get that kind of like sluggish goat bomb or, you know, gut bomb kind of thing. Nothing like that ever really 
I've never experienced anything like that from any other food. So it's very like refined and purposeful. And this is really good. It's really good pasta. Um, you know, the savoriness was definitely the standout, you know, memory looking back on it. And the texture, you know, the consistency was all there too as well. It was really good. Uh, just kind of came in a plain white bowl. Um, so nothing extravagant with the plating or anything, just kind of really good stuff all mixed together. Here it is. You're going to enjoy it. Don't overanalyze it kind of thing. Um, dish after that seared grouper. I am, I always like when there's fish on the menu, especially when fish is properly done. And there's very few places in Columbus that can do fish. Well, uh, Chapman's does it. Veritas does fish. Well, rock mill, um, does fish very well to, uh, ghost Rider public house out in Johnstown. I had salmon from them it was really well done. That's kind of all that comes to top of mind when you're talking about fish. We don't, it's to the point where like, we don't even, I, I mean, you can call me a fish snob if you want, I guess, but whole foods, like we've gotten salmon from them, the fishmonger, whoever they had is, I don't know if it's still the same person. Cause it's been a while. They're not doing it right. Like they're leaving bones in the fillets, you know, which is basically inexcusable, like, especially for salmon, you know, salmon's not an ultra thin fish. You should be able to get it right. Um, especially if you know what you're doing. So a bit disappointed with like whole foods, you know, we've gone to a couple of fishmongers. We actually just um, recently got some stuff from the new one in North market. Uh, we got like crab cakes from them. Not impressed. They were overly breaded. Um, I think we got some salmon from them. That's kind of like the last ditch effort before wind up going outside of Columbus and just like, if you want fish, just order it from one of these purveyors that'll mail it to you. It might cost a little bit more, but at least it'll be better quality and than anything that we're kind of finding in Columbus, even, even kind of the freezer sections, you know, if it gets salmon and stuff like arrives in Columbus, um, even in like the frozen section, it's just, it's lifeless. It just doesn't have any flavor to it. So, um, but going back to the dish, sear grouper went on a little tangent there with the salmon is really good. It was perfectly executed. It comes, you know, they call it Charleston ice cream, but it's, it's, you know, Carolina gold rice, essentially. Um, there was a nice like tomato broth that was just kind of coated over top and then kind of pooled around the edges of the, the bowl. And you had some poached turnips kind of spread across the top of and staggered and layered across the top of the the filet of fish. It's a sizable, thick, you know, filet of a piece of grouper. And it was just, it's perfect. Like there's nothing I could even say to change. You get the smokiness of the tomato broth. Um, you know, the fish is perfectly cooked. It basically falls apart, you know, as soon as you hit it with your knife, but it's still tender and firm enough to stay in a piece. It's not just, you know, splitting into a bunch of shards and, and going throughout the bowl, you know, the creamy rice, you know, the rice is creamy and it all kind of complemented everything. It, it, I don't know what you would change. Um, I guess the turnips, I, you know, could have done without it, but that's like a nitpick. If they're on there, great. If they're not great, like I don't, it, it didn't do anything either way. You know, I wasn't mad that they were on there. I wasn't, don't think they don't need to be on there, but if they weren't on there, would you really notice? I don't know. 
then we kind of get into the desserts. So the first, um, the first dessert was this almond cake, and we actually talked about it on the podcast. And uh, my wife still has yet to make it. She actually just finally got all the stuff needed for it. But it's an almond cake, it's like gluten free um, too as well. It's like almond flour, and then the the cup for cup, you know, fl- flour alternative. So cup for cup is Thomas Keller's brand. There's a bunch of other brands that have copied it. Um, but it's basically just like the ratio cause he open sourced it when he created it. So the conversion ratio is all out there. Anybody can, can find it, um, to basically how to make things with gluten-free flour without changing kind of the taste if you're, as if you're using regular flour. So there's a fennel ice cream with it and Fennel isn't exactly anything that I'm a fan of. It's also not something I would think to make ice cream out of. Um, but it works. You know, there's basically two ways of fennel. Either you get like an over licorice kind of flavor or you get a more milder flavor um, that doesn't really have any of the licorice characteristics in it. You know, that's usually, I think they say when it's cooked, it becomes a different thing. But if it's if it's more raw or you know uncooked or lightly cooked, you get a lot of the the licorice. And, and I'm just I'm not a black licorice fan. Um, it's just not something I've ever enjoyed and not something I ever will. There are people out there that enjoy that stuff, the black jelly beans and whatnot. I I don't understand it, but to each their own. But it the ice cream actually works. You, like I said, you don't really get any licorice flavor with it, so it does work. I really liked the cherries um, that came with it. Those were really nice. So when you got a cherry with a piece of the cake, you got this kind of this tart, but also kind of nutty with the slice of the almond cake in there. Uh, and it had a really nice thin like crust on, on the top and the bottom too as well of each slice of, of the cake there. So it was very flavorful, but it was still kind of light. And just, I think each bite, it got better and better and better uh, until kind of you're at the end and you're like, wow, that was really, really good. You weren't really expecting it to be as delicious as it was, essentially. Dish after that was a maple bundino, um, toasted hazelnuts, chocolate, sea salt. I mean, it's, you know, salty, it's chocolatey, you got maple in there kind of creamy Italian custard dessert. Um, you can't really go wrong. I, I I would say it's like a creme brulee minus, you know, the thick sugar crust on top. Instead you get kind of a salty, um, but there's no, you know, crust or anything like that. And I like maple. I know maple is kind of one of those things that is to each their own. Like there's a lot of people that don't like maple. Um, and I think it's because probably a, a lot of the stuff when you get, when you first get exposed to maple, I feel like you get kind of like an artificial maple, you know, maybe, or you like you reminisce of maple syrup, which is more sugar probably than maple. So this is really good. Um, the salt just in each, you know, is well coated. So you got a little saltiness in, in each bite and everything. It's definitely something that you would, if you were able to kind of get it at a grocery store, like you would if you could get it in like a frosting size kind of jar and just be like, Oh yeah, I'll just grab a jar of maple 
Budino um, and just eat it throughout the week or something like that. You totally would. It's really good. So that was the third menu um, that they did and running long, but still just going to go right into it. We'll just double up since I'll have to double up uh, on a future episode anyways. Then we did the, they did a Valentine's Day um, thing. Most of the restaurants in Columbus did a Valentine's Day menu or at least Valentine's Day weekend. Um, we did a thing at Veritas the night before. Uh, I know Cleaver was doing a Veritas, uh, a Valentine's Day dinner. Um, who, like all the steakhouses were obviously, um, you know, any of the, the restaurants. Lindy's was doing something, I believe. Um, I'm sure Barcelona was, all them. So go in. You know, again, they send you the menu kind of up front, all that stuff. The Wellfleet oysters, really good. I like oysters. Um, you know, a little mignonette on top. They're, they were cleaned really well. So one thing sometimes you can get with oysters is you get like a chunk of sand or maybe a shell, a uh, piece of the shell from when it was being shucked and split. If the if you don't do it right, sometimes you can catch the edge like the front edge of the shell, and that kind of like flips up and spins into the actual oyster. So it definitely none of the oysters stuck to uh, the shell either. So they were all cleaned. They were basically shucked, removed, cleaned, and then put back in. And then the mignonette went on top. That's the way I like them done. I know there's other places that'll do them in advance and then just put them like on ice. But then the problem is the oyster itself re-sticks to the shell and then you have to go in with a fork and like loosen it a little bit, um, which yeah, not a big deal, but it also kind of takes away, like you don't want to have to sit there and struggle with an oyster. You just want to pound them down. So um, I always think they're a great choice to like start off any sort of menu is an oyster. I know there's, a decent amount of people that don't like them, my wife included. She did eat, I think, one, or she might even had two, and then I wound up having to do the rest. Um, and she herself said that they were good, so which is quite the compliment from somebody that's not an oyster fan. So it had a nice, like, citrus, a cool citrus to each one. Um, so I was, I was really happy with those. Of course, after that was this, it's something I'd never even seen before. I have no idea the backstory on on how it came up or whatever, but um, Fiore Dolce cheese was kind of the name of the dish, but it was basically these little fried uh, brioche potato, almost like donut holes. And they had a nice like little thin, like saltiness kind of, and, and the butter or the oil that they were cooked in kind of stuck to the outside. And then on a separate plate was basically this, you know, there was like a tomato jam, pine nuts, uh, I think honey, and, and all that with some cheese on top. And that was kind of like, a, you know, came in like a thin circle, almost like a steak tartare kind of wood, but but thinner. Um, and I've, like I said, I've never encountered anything like this before, but just the lightness, the donuts were obviously, I shouldn't say donuts, but I'm just going to say donuts, uh, made to order because they were, like piping hot when they came out to the point where like they would burn your fingers if you didn't give it like 30, 45 seconds to kind of cool off so you could handle them. There's no real right or wrong way to eat the eat the dish. What we basically found out was if you kind of rip maybe the top quarter to half off and then if you kind of pushed out the sides to kind of make it round again and you could fill 
the center with you know the tomato jam honey pine nut like that concoction you would get a nice balanced bite so you get like a you would get this kind of salty savory you know balance and all the flavors you know with the cheese and everything you get all that in one bite um you could do it where you just kind of ripped it and then put on top that still worked but I, i think the other method was was better um but we even heard like the table i think they were behind us like they were raving about you know the potato donuts too as well so after that was a green papaya salad it was really good it was just like tropical bright uplifting energetic kind of fruity and sweet but acidic at the same time but not overly acidic to where it's like mouth puckering or anything like that uh passion fruit kiwi plum watermelon uh mango like a lime vinaigrette or might even been a mango lime vinaigrette was used over top and every bite is different there's a different amount of you know you have chunks and shavings and all this stuff in the bowl itself came in like a red bowl so nothing was the same you know when you went back in with the fork or the spoon every single bite was different so you kind of got a different mix of flavors sometimes it'd be a little bit more heavy on the watermelon other times maybe it's you know you got more kiwi in that you know spoon or forkful but it never went outside kind of being too fruity or too acidic it was very it's something that you want in the summer is it, it was light tropical like i said but but bright energetic you know uh really good with the acidity and everything really really nice after that was a prime uh, dry age prime rib course i am not a fan of prime rib and i don't know if it's i've just never had good prime rib or what exactly i've encountered it's always been kind of dry usually overly fatty this was not that this was more closer to like a dried steak um this was on the complete opposite spectrum just crazy delicious you know i'm not somebody who would recommend getting prime rib anywhere i would recommend getting this um best prime rib i've ever had even like the chunks of fat (laughs) my wife kind of like gave me a weird look because i'm not big on like the chunks of fat you know i know some people eat that and you know there's no gristle but some people eat gristle off the steak and stuff like that i usually just kind of chop that off and push it to the side and i was about to do that and she just kind of like looked at me and was like "No, no no eat that and it is actual like even if you got a chunk of just pure fat like you're still able to eat it it doesn't have that it didn't have that like gelatinous, chewy, like boogery texture. Like you, you didn't have any of that. So it was just really savory, you know, medium rare cooked. There was a really nice, like seasoned, crunchy crust around the edge of the, the slice. Came with uh, parsnip puree, smashed potatoes, and like a truffle jus on top. Um, it was great it was a great dish and then i couldn't i don't know what else to say it was perfectly cooked flavorful um like i said the best primer that i've probably ever had up to this point next course chocolate covered blood oranges um they had some sea salt sprinkled over them kind of like a palate cleanser they're okay 
um, you got, you know, salty and then some chocolatiness and then became kind of sweet and a little acidic. Um, simple, effective, they're good. Was it, you know, the most amazing thing I've ever had? Like, no, it's just kind of, would I order those if I saw them like on a dessert menu, like a standalone dessert menu? Probably not. Um, they're good for what they are, but like, are they going to blow you away or anything like that? Probably not. Uh, dessert after that, and the final course of, of the Valentine's Day thing, it was a red velvet profiteroles. I think is how you say it. Basically, it's a cream puff. Um, French pastry ball, essentially. So normally, I think there's like a sweet custard cream uh, is used, but here they swapped it out for a smoked cream cheese ice cream, which never encountered that before. Not something I would also think... I've heard of cream cheese frosting, which is usually more frosting than cream cheese to be anything, but cream cheese ice cream is not something I, I can recall ever really encountering. And definitely if I saw it in like, you know, an ice cream shop or an ice cream stand, like that's probably not something I'm ordering. So it was really interesting because you definitely got like the smokiness, you know, and the flavor right from the beginning. It wasn't overpowering or anything. But the whole thing is like just that it's just really interesting and kind of odd dessert, but not in a bad way. It's just so different. There's not really like a good reference point to compare it to anything else. Like you could try and compare it to, I guess, like a cream puff, but they're smaller and kind of more rich than cream puffs that you would ever encounter. Plus they're better balanced with the filling to dough ratio these were versus ones cream puffs that like I've had on their own. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really interesting dessert. Uh, you enjoy it. You're kind of always thinking about it. I don't know if it's the most delicious thing I've ever had. Um, I think the desserts from probably the third menu were better, but you're not mad about eating this dessert either. And there was some, I think some rose salt, was it rose salt? Oh, beet sugar. Sorry. Beet sugar was kind of on, you know, coated on some of the edge of the the filling as it was kind of protruding out. But it's a really interesting dessert. Um, definitely something you would want to at least try once just to have the experience of like, what is this? So definitely really happy with, you know, the Valentine's Day um, menu. I think the brioche kind of donuts the dry age primary were probably the two best courses, I think, out of that. The third menu, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the grouper. Um, I know my wife would say the almond cake. I would say the grouper was probably the best course out of that. So definitely excited to go back for the, the Vietnamese-inspired um, menu that they're going to do for like a week. I think they're all filled up with reservations and this will probably come out after that takes place anyway. So it won't matter. Uh, I'm sure they'll be doing more like, you know, special stuff. Um, two is, you know, get closer to summer, different ingredients that you can source and stuff too. And then at some point they'll be changing over the menu to what would be their fourth dine-in menu, I think. Um, so be on the lookout for that, but you can follow them at eat Chapman's on Instagram. Make sure you listen to the previous episodes that we did. Definitely make sure if you haven't check out the interview that I did with BJ Lieberman. He's a chef owner there. Uh, eventually plan on also having some of the other people that work there on the podcast, whether it's, um, 
you know, people within kind of like the wait staff and also uh, the different, you know, chefs um, there too as well. So wanted to start there and then kind of like mushroom out. So we're, we're going to do that with a few different restaurants, I think, at least in Columbus um, that I'm looking at. And we'll, we'll kind of work our way down the pyramid uh, essentially too as well. And kind of that way you get everybody's kind of perspective of these are all the people that are working in the kitchen. You know, these are the people that are making your food, different dishes and stuff like that. Kind of what inspires them to do what they're doing and, and what they enjoy and like next steps for them. And if, you know, and all that good stuff. So it's definitely doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, really thankful that BJ is landed in Columbus, not Chicago or, or anywhere else. Um, definitely improves our dining scene tremendously from what it was before his arrival. Um, and I know, you know, you can definitely see kind of the, the sparkle in his eye when he starts kind of looking towards the future and stuff that he wants to do. Um, too as well so that'll be exciting times whenever whenever they get around to, to doing that and we get out of the pandemic and and all that stuff so but um check out all that stuff past episodes of the podcast chefs and guests uh, comes out every other week restaurant reviews usually on mondays wednesdays parts now known uh, make sure you check out the website different chef profiles going up um different course breakdowns you know we try and put as much as we can on instagram but always feel like we're kind of a bit behind on there, but, um, yeah, appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.